You're listening to Single Mama Shine. I'm Gabriella Buxton, single and soulful mama to one-year-old Walter. But it wasn't that long ago that I was panicking about the huge responsibility that goes with becoming a lone parent. Fast forward two years, countless midnight breastfeeds and a whole bunch of cuddles, and I invite you to join Single Mama Shine, an empowering movement of women warriors, healing through connection, community and celebration, supporting one another in stepping into our power as fierce females and growing alongside our gorgeous little ones. I created the Single Mama Shine podcast to bring you resources, tools and insights to help heal mummy guilt, ignite your intuition and motivate you to be the best mama you can be. If you're a single mama, a lone mother or a solo mum looking to expand your village, take the next steps with your own goals and single-handedly grow conscious, compassionate and confident tiny humans whilst injecting a well-deserved dose of self-care into the mix, then you're in the right place. Hello, hello, you guys, and welcome to this episode of the Single Mamas Shine podcast. I'm your host, Gabriella, and I'm so pleased to be welcoming this podcast first ever, first ever guest. Um, and it's a woman that I completely admire in such a huge way. So I'll do a bit of an intro for her, and then I'll, you know, you can you can speak for yourself then, Lisa. <laughs> um, <laughs> So just three years ago, um, Lisa Johnson, mama to twin boys, she found herself in £30,000 worth of debt. And even saying that, I'm like, ooh. Um, but fast forward to today, and Lisa has just celebrated a £1.7 million launch in her business. She also has plenty of time to spend with her little ones. She's not busting her butt constantly, working every single hour God sends. Um, and she is also now happily coupled with her partner. She was a single mom at the time. So it's a real like success story. It's literally such a dream. Um, and Lisa is now known as the passive income queen. And as of last month, I'm actually learning from Lisa daily. Um, I have signed up to Lisa's one-to-many coaching program and it's just been mind-blowing. So Lisa's a massive inspiration to me personally and I'm sure that she will be just that for you as well. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Oh, so, so wonderful. It's um, so, so generous of you to give some time to to the episode because um, obviously we are, we are, predominantly a podcast for single mums yeah. um, and and of course I know that you no longer will qualify within the single bracket um, but it's something that I think is so so important is for single mums to know that even if they are in a position which they don't want to be in at the moment whether it's um, relationship wise whether it's finances wise this isn't the end of everything no, this is it really is yeah, and when when I was a single parent, my, I wasn't. It was this was like eight years ago that I was a single parent. Um, that's when I started my first business um, when I was thirty thousand in debt, and you know I didn't expect to be in this position where I was getting divorced. Um, I suddenly got pregnant with twins and was going through a divorce. You know, it wasn't it wasn't easy, um, but knew that a relationship doesn't define me it never has defined me um and 
knew that you could still do you can change your life around you can have a little thing here actually that says rewrite your story because i believe that we all have it in us to be able to rewrite our story and we don't need to rely on anyone else to do that that all comes from in here um and so I knew I was going to do something. I didn't quite know I would have a multi-million pound business in, you know, a, seven years and, and three and a half years from starting this business. But I knew I'd be doing something and I knew I'd fail. And I'm OK with failing because we have to fail when we put stuff out there. Um, not everything's going to work the first time. But if we don't even try, we're never going to get there. So we have to be OK with failing. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's that is so true. And that's such a learning curve for, for so many for so many people is that actually failure shouldn't be seen as being this bad, terrible thing. In fact, I think every time, I can definitely say that every time that I failed at something, I have gotten stronger and I've developed and learned from yeah, it. You'll learn from it every time. And, and if you think of most people, let's say that you wanted to make you know, a sale the first time, you're going to get 50 no's before you get a yes. You can either count them as failures or just get those 50 out the way. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to fail putting a course out there, if you're going to fail, you know, doing something for the first time, let's get on with it so that we can yeah. get past that bit and then get onto the time when it's a success. Yeah. So you should definitely. look forward to those failures. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree with that. So I didn't, so were, were you, um, you were going through the divorce while you were single, like, and pregnant, sorry. No, so I was married, and I was only quite newly married. My marriage lasted about a year and a half. Um, and then I got pregnant with twins, which wasn't part of the plan. And then, you know, throughout a whole pregnancy, when I couldn't go out and do the things that I used to do, I was a bit of a party girl, um, my ex-husband still could. And so there was this proper resentment that I had and and ultimately as soon as the kids were born within a couple of months we knew the marriage wasn't going to work we were going to have to separate and we were going to uh, go through a divorce and it was then when I went back to work when those kids were five months old I was working in investment bank in the time and I went back to work and realized that the if I was going to get divorced, there was absolutely no way that as a single parent, I was going to be able to do a job where I left the house at six o'clock in the morning and came back at 10 o'clock at night. Because when was I ever going to see the kids? Um, and so it changed everything for me. I realized, you know, I got divorced. I realized I was going to have to do a job near my house. So I went back to being a PA, which is what I started at years ago, um, and took a nine to five job there and in my house and so I could see the kids first thing in the morning and I could put them to bed and then I got bored there in the first year and that's when I thought you know I'm going to start a business and I actually started a wedding planning business I was uh, I didn't know anything about business at this point so I failed like you do like in the first year realized that I'd completely failed in it and I wasn't bringing in any money and so I then was 30,000 in debt and I was like well I'm either going to have to give up on this dream of having my own business or put five grand on a credit card and see if I can get a business coach. And when you're 30 grand in debt, I mean, what's another five? So <laughs> that's what it felt like. Like I was never going to be able to pay it off anyway. I couldn't see how I was going to be able to do it while, while raising twins. And so I did that. And then I learned all the basics of business, which are really important. And those basics gave me like the understanding of how I could turn it around and within a very short period of time like definitely less than six months we became the biggest urban wedding planning company in the UK and we were fully booked for a year and a half and it all turned around um, but in a wedding planning company 
you don't make a lot of money even if you're doing okay you don't really make more than like three to five k months because it's so seasonal and so i was paying off bits of my like all my loans and my credit cards and all this debt i'd gone into it wasn't really until a couple of years later people had been asking me you know how have you managed to turn this business around how did you start your business and i realized i had a bit of a knack for explaining complicated business stuff in a very easy step-by-step way started teaching people they started making more money and so then it was like oh okay maybe there's something in this because i'd given myself this business of wedding planning yet if you'd have asked me what i wanted my life to look like i wanted to be traveling the world i really wanted to see the world i come from a background in poverty um so i wasn't able to travel when i was younger and i really wanted to see the world and I had my twins and I wanted to see more of them and I'd given myself a job where basically for the whole summer I was going to work every single weekend and not see anybody so I couldn't travel or see my kids so then I thought well maybe what I can do is start coaching start helping people with their businesses because by this point I'd done every course out there I'd like loved self-development and so that's when three and a bit years ago Lisa Johnson coaching was born and that's when everything changed like I learned all the stuff that I'd failed on in the first year of that wedding business really helped me because I was able to know in this business what to do, like work out your ideal client, all of these kind of things, like work on your money mindset because my money mindset was so poor, get a strategy together. And I did that. And within the first six months, I made a hundred thousand in profit, debt gone. And then in the first year I made 220,000 and it yeah, it changed everything. I was I was on stages around the world. I was in like Forbes and Red Magazine, all these amazing places. But I actually still didn't feel very successful because I'd given up this nine to five job for going back to a six o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night job in my business because it was doing so well that I was having to put in so many hours. People were coming to me and saying, oh, can I give you some money to work with you? And I was saying, well, no, I have no more hours in a day to be able to help you. Um, and I wasn't seeing the kids again and I got a new partner um, by this point. And so I wasn't seeing him as much as I should be. And so I knew something had to change. And that's when I heard someone on a podcast talking about passive income. And I thought passive income was like MLMs and, you know, all of these different things. I didn't think there was any other way of doing it. But I started to listen and learn. And I was like, you know what, this could be the change for me. And so then I started to like learn everything. I spent a hundred grand in the first year learning everything I could about passive income and adding in these passive income streams, memberships, courses, work like workshops, masterclasses and things like that, a jewelry range, all of these little things to see what worked. And then discounting things that didn't work. From that year, the end of that first year in Lisa Johnson coaching, where I was earning two hundred and twenty thousand and I was working sixty to eighty hour weeks exactly one year later when we looked at everything i was working 30 hours a month and i was earning over a million a year wow and that was oh only two years ago. That changed. Oh i mean so what that- i'm seeing there is that there's that there was a lot of um sort of ebb and flow and like returning to patterns that that we'd had before and then you know, applying the new learnings to that moving forward and then going back again a little bit. and yeah. then going It's never and straightforward, think, is it? Being an entrepreneur yeah. isn't like a nice linear lineup. It's all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think that we've been taught so much, like um, when, you know, from when we're children, we're, we're taught this illusion that 
that life and development and you know the whole the whole package is this very like linear thing you know and you tick the boxes as you go along and you do everything the way that everybody else does them um and actually we we realize that that is completely not the case especially when we do start stepping in and you know taking responsibility for for our own path yeah, um, yeah. so i think that's i think that's really amazing and and something else that i was hearing there that i really loved was it sounds like in the beginning when you were doing the investment banking um you were realizing that that you weren't able to be with the boys as much give them as much time so that was very much a, a decision that was you know it was for you but it was really it was like a gift to them yeah and then you then also realized when you moved into the pa work that actually you then weren't enjoying it so as much so then there's that there needs to be that balance there's always a balance and this is what makes me laugh about people think that people always say to me like how have you managed to get such a good work-life balance do you know how i have a good work-life balance i get rid of guilt because actually we can all have whatever balance we need but if we think that balance is going to come with you not thinking, oh, I should have spent more time with him, or, oh, I wish I could have just done that bit more on my business, you're very mis- mistaken. Like, you're always going to have a little bit that you wish you could do more on, but it's only getting rid of that guilt. Like, there's no point in me feeling guilty when I can't be there to see every kid thing that they do at school. Like, yeah. there's just any point. It's not going to help them or me. They're going to see the value of work ethic in that so I'm okay with it and there's no point me thinking well you know if I could just spend another five hours I could have made an extra blah 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 whatever it is because it's you're always juggling it you're always going to balance it there's never going to be a time whether you're in a relationship or not where you're not balancing something so I think if we just let go of this expectation that we have of what life should be like then actually we'll be a lot happier because most unhappiness comes from an expectation that just isn't realistic yeah and i and i find as well and it it definitely like when i talk about things like this it really hits home to me as well is um it's i think guilt is something that so that like probably every single mother on the whole planet experiences and as a single mother um or a solo providing parent or whatever um there is that kind of added element sometimes of like oh you know there's there's something that your child isn't having that's a part of that beautiful cardboard box with the white picket fence thing yeah i think it didn't happen for me i was brought up by a single father so because of that from the age of 10 11 i was it was just my dad and me and my sister and my brother and so because of that because i had a good childhood with that side of things not with the bullying side of things but you know with a parent that gave his all um i think i've never really thought there needed to be two so i've never had the guilt around that because we had a great childhood like we we got everything we needed from one parent so i always thought to myself i could yeah i love that i love that i think that's that's something that i would love for so so many um so many people men and women out there to know that that like you know it's possible to not only do it and not only survive doing it as a single parent but it's possible to really thrive doing it and oh, yeah. to thrive as well because there's all, t- all too often you know when when i'm talking to my clients the the single moms in particular um and they're saying oh you know i should have left that relationship years earlier but I stuck around because I was afraid or I didn't think I could do it. And, and you know, it became that kind of martyr energy around it. 
um, which which is just as damaging as the guilt is. Damaging. And the amount of people that you hear say, oh, well, I can't leave. I've got to stay for the kids. Staying for the kids is going to put them in such a bad situation because all they're going to see is that even when a parent, and they can feel it, even when a parent, parent is in a happy, you have to stay. What does that teach them about what they should do when they're older? Like, it's not yeah. the way. And you know that's that is that clicks like so on such a personal level for me because um my ex in fact that was something that that was a, a story that he was told about relationships and that children are essentially like a trap that yeah. was a part of the the kind of ancestral patterning that had come down um and and so i i completely you know that is one that I love just like diving deep with people on and being like, that is a self-limiting belief. That is not your story. That's not your truth. We give Um, ourselves stories though, don't we? We give ourselves all these stories, all probably from, you know, way before we were 16 years old, we give ourselves these stories and we don't actually give ourselves it. It comes into our subconscious by things we see and it's only us that can remove them, that can change them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. And 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 just like one last time to reflect on that, um, what you were saying, what you've kind of said throughout this so far is that, um, you know, your children, your boys, they are a driving force of a lot of the decisions, but also you and what your needs are and what you're passionate about is super, super important. And that is such a, a massive piece for, for the mums that are listening right now, I think. You know, I think that it's important we don't lose our identities as people because we have children. Um, I know how easy it is to do to just become somebody's parent. That's never been me. I've never felt like that. I've always known that I'm an individual person and one part of me is that I'm a mum. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're like, um, we're like a tapestry and that's just one of the threads that's woven through. (laughs) I love it. So let's talk then a little bit, because I, I know that you you do some work with money mindset. So as part of the, the one to many program, there was some pre prep work that you had us doing with money mindset, which I love. I'm a mass. I'm, I love that stuff. Um, two of my favorite books. There's um, uh, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, Denise Duffield Thomas and yeah. You Are a Bass at Making Money. They're by my two favorite money books. Yeah, They're amazing books. books. They're so great. Um, so I know that you you say that you're you're not woo woo you're woo adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so could you could you share with us a little bit then about um, about what that money mindset work could be for women and mums in particular who do find themselves in a position, for example, where all of a sudden they are providing by themselves for their children. Um, there isn't that second income or maybe they're having to kind of chase after getting some um, maintenance from from an ex and maybe there is their own debt that they have themselves but maybe there's some of their ex's debt as well yeah. that's kind of stuck to them because um, a lot of a lot of the, the mums that I work with their first sort of question to me is like okay I get it I get all the manifesting stuff right I, I get the the um, intellectualization of it uh, but how can I just sit on a yoga mat and say I am rich when I know that I've got 15, 15 grand on a credit card that, you know, yeah. the bank is knocking at the door? Yeah, you can't. And and this is ultimately why I don't believe in manifesting, <laughs> because I, I don't believe that just by telling yourself something enough, it will happen. Um, it's much more about action. Now, does it help to visualize 
what you are going to feel like when you do have money. Of course it does. Athletes do that to get over a finish line. So visualization is really important that you know how it's going to feel. And that's why people give themselves affirmations. But actually it comes down to action. And the only way to do that is to break things down. So if you have, you know, debt, you have, you're the single provider, you know that money is important. One thing is going to happen first, fear. You're going to have a fear around money that if you don't have enough money, it's not just you that's going to suffer, it's others that are going to suffer, it's your kids. And so fear stops us. Fear is a negative emotion. We know this. Now, what we definitely know is subconsciously, anything that we see as negative, we won't try and get more of. Our subconscious just will not do it. We will try everything to stop ourselves getting it. So if we fear money, if we feel any kind of negative negativity about money, and I did because I'd gone bankrupt, so the, the judge had told me, you are bad with money. So to me, money was a bad, bad thing that, you know, I, I would tell you I wanted more of, but my subconscious is going, nope, this is a negative emotion that she has towards something, make sure that she cannot find a way to get it because that's more negativity, which makes complete sense when you think about it. So rather than thinking of it in the kind of more spiritual terms, think of it as scientifically, you will not get more of anything that you actually deep down don't want. So if you think of anything as fearful, as negative, maybe the earliest memories that you had of money weren't that nice. Um, mine were my parents arguing over money. That wasn't that nice. You know, all of the bad things that had happened to me involved money in some way. And so I was repelling it all over the place, like doing all of these great jobs, you know, went into investment banking. I was a lawyer. I was a TV presenter. I was an actress. All of those jobs should have made me a decent amount of money. None of them did. And I know now it was because I would make sure I wasn't put up for promotion. I would make sure I didn't do the things I needed to do to get more money because I thought it would make me unhappy, that money would change me, that I would become a bad person because of money. So first of all, you've got to look at the story. Look at your money story and work out what it actually is and what you really think about money much further, much deeper than you think on the surface. The second thing you need to do is realize that money is just a thing. Like we put so many emotions on money guilt. Yeah, if we buy something for ourselves, we feel guilty because we should have bought something for somebody else. If we buy something, we say to someone else that's there, oh, we bought it in the sale. If someone compliments us on anything, we play it down. Um, and we do that because we put things like shame on money, guilt on money, greed on money. Actually, money is just a token. Think of it like tokens at a fairground. You know, you just give something to get something. It's just a form of energy. And if you see it like that, things become very different. You don't fear it as much. So when, you know, during the course of my business, I can have two million in the bank one day. And a few days later, because of what I'm investing in, I can be 50,000 under and then go back up again. And if I was scared of debt, that would never happen because I'd always try and just grow money, make more, make more, make more, but I wouldn't dare do anything with it. Um, and, you know, part of what I do is investing. I invest in houses. I invest in stocks. I invest in all these different things. And that comes with an element of risk. If you fear that, you're always going to limit what you will do, what money you will make and what you will do with it. So you have to do the work around you know, f almost forget the affirmations. They're great to do if they work on you. They never worked on me because I, if I told myself money is on its way to me, I'd feel like I was conning myself continuously. So the way that it works with me is look at others who have been in your situation and now have money. Because to me, that was proof. 
I was very much like, if they can, there's nothing I can't do that someone else can do. So if they can do it, I can do it. And that's what I hope, you know, I talk about money a lot purposely. Um, It gives me a lot of grief online, but I am always very open about showing my bank statements, about showing how much money I've made. And I do that because I want people to see what's possible in whatever situation they're in. And if they, if someone who's a single parent can look at me and go, well, she can, she seems pretty normal. If she can, I can do this. Brilliant. Then it's all been worthwhile. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's just such an such an important piece for everyone to to know is this idea that wherever we are with our money mindset right now is is serving us it's serving some part of, of our own kind of inner dialogue that's going on. Yeah. And, um, and it's and you sent out an email a couple of weeks ago and I replied to it because I found it really interesting how um, you the email was was talking about how you'd been like doubted in a Facebook group for um, for you know what you had made during this launch because they were saying well um, if you'd really made that much then you wouldn't be in this Facebook group yeah, um, as if you somehow get a yacht and travel around the world when you get money and you just stop working exactly exactly and and I found that really interesting that you were being shamed for having too much because uh, you know oftentimes we think. Um, oh, I'm ashamed of not having enough. Um, If, you know, if someone saw the inside of my bank balance, then I would be so embarrassed and, and, you know, bury my head in the sand and, you know, want to crawl into a hole and die. Um, But actually, there is the shame both ways. Both ways. I have have clients that have made multi-six figures that will never talk about it because they don't want people to think badly of them while other people don't have money. Yeah. There's shame both ways. I know there was a, a woman um, that I was that I coached a little while ago, actually, and one of the things that she was saying about money, she was a single mom, um, and she was like, "But I really want to find a partner." And I was like, "They're not mutually exclusive." And she was, and she said, "Yeah, but it would make me less attractive to a man if I earn more than him, because that had been a, th- a thing in her story, you know." Um, and in her past and in her family was, you know, the the man of the house is the one that earns the money, and that's my role, and you do your role as as the mom and and all the rest of it. And I found that so so interesting that um, that like you say, we just attach these. It's make believe, really. It's make believe, like, yeah. There are plenty of men out there that are very happy to be kept. (laughs) They would be more than happy, honestly. That's not something to worry about. But also you will attract a different type of person. Like if you are thriving and you are making this money and you are very confident in what you do, think of how attractive that is to somebody. Definitely. And I also think as well that if um, if I'm in a relationship, I and it's been a while, let me tell you, (laughs) but when I'm in a relationship, I want to feel wanted I don't want to feel needed um for, for any reason you know it freaks me out like it really does if if I if I had the kind of um additional pressure say that I was in this in this um sort of you know cookie cutter world I'm the the man in the story and I'm playing the the traditional male role of the financial provider yeah. um that there's for me there would always be a question like is she only here for the money like you know what she's only here because she needs me like she doesn't doesn't really want me and so I think that sometimes by actually taking responsibility for our own um, financial situation we're we're not just giving that gift to ourselves and to our children but we are giving that as a gift to our partners as well um, to not be to not be putting that on them 
Um, yeah, so. I also think it's really important that it can be very easy when looking at a relationship to go, oh, well, you know, we might go like, oh, he's attractive, he has a good job, he makes lots of money. As soon as that becomes a non-entity because you're making, you know, I've done this. I've gone into relationships before because they had the lifestyle I wanted. And I thought, well, you know, he might not be very nice to me, but I won't have to worry about, you know, being financially poor again. I can be in that relationship instead. That's never a choice you want to be making. You will make much better choices if money is taken off the table because you are already making enough money and a surplus of. Um, and then you start looking for the right partner, for the attributes of the right partner, rather than the comfortable lifestyle that you can maybe have. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I say, I think that's really, really big for a lot of our listeners is the financial side of things. Even for me, when when I was um, when I found myself to be pregnant and knew that I was going to be on my own during the pregnancy, I was like the thing that I said to my dad, actually, on the phone when I told my dad, I was like, but I can't keep the baby. And dad said, what do you mean? Why not? And I was like, I can't afford a baby by myself. <laughs> yeah. And here I am, you know, um, two, two years later, two and a bit years after that phone call and um and yeah I don't have squillions or anything like that but I'm I have my own place now I have my furniture and you know and and, and you know why because actually what kids do is they give you a non-negotiable reason that you have to make money um beforehand you can kind of muck about a bit when you're on your own you can you can you can give things a go but if the going gets tough you can quit and no one really cares. You can't do that when you've got kids. Like, you, there's a non-negotiable. You're going to have to make money. And I think that that adversity that we have going through things like divorces um, actually fuels our success. It will make sure that when an obstacle gets in our way and how whatever we want to do in life, we've been through worse, haven't we? So we'll be able to do it and we will say, well, it's non-negotiable. I can't quit. I have to make this yeah. money. And it's so it can... Amazing. Uh, what's it what she on um friends rachel she or oh, monica i think calls it the fear like you need the fear you need I mean, a bit of it it's, yeah and that kind of um you know it's it's this is it it's crunch time you've got a mouth to feed that's not just your own and all the rest yeah of it. i think it's um, not a coincidence that loads of very successful business women are single parents yeah yeah that's yeah that lands definitely definitely so um I'll move into some questions because we've got we've had a couple of questions. Um, but just before we do that, there's one one other little thing that I just wanted to ask you. And this is, in your opinion, can every woman have a successful online semi passive or passive business? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Just just yeah. Because <laughs> there, there are so many. Yeah, because there are so many. And I've I've been this person. Um, it's like in in the bricks and mortar world of business as well as um uh, i've been the person that says oh that's a great idea for making money but it won't work in my town like not in my city <laughs> or like you know, with, with online online business and the idea of semi-passive business um for for years until literally this year i thought oh yeah it would work for you but it wouldn't work for me because and then you make up the story and stuff yeah we or, give um, ourselves reasons not to do it don't we because then it then we're not going to fail because we haven't even started. Um, but actually, I used to think maybe it, not everyone could do it. But I've now worked with thousands of women who have 
come into it without not even having an idea of what they wanted to do, who have made like hundreds and thousands of pounds um, from a tiny spark of an idea. So now I believe everyone can. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And so that actually leads us perfectly into the first of the questions um, that we've got here from people that are likely to be listening because this one is my sister. Um, <laughs> my younger sister. Um, and she did the, the race to recurring revenue challenge as well. She was um, in on that as well. She loved it. Um, so, so she says, um, how do you know which idea has legs? Which one yeah. there's a few things you can do so there's like obviously market research type things one of the ways to do that is to get your ideal client go and find five of your ideal client get them onto a focus group and ask them what would you pay for like what are your problems what would be the ideal solution what if I could do this and use their language and and see you know validate your idea by asking the people that would buy it but if we're honest about it we go past all of that I believe that you go with the idea you're most passionate about because I believe that profit follows passion. Um, you know, when you're enthusiastic about something and you really love it, your clients are going to be. They're going to be like drawn to you like a moth to a flame. Whereas if you're like doing it because you think it's the one that's going to make you money, you'll never feel that passion about it like you would something you really love. And that matters more. Yeah, no, I think that is so, so accurate because um, one of my favorite books is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she yeah. talks about like ideas as if they have like a, you know, they're a conscious being. Um, and, you know, she talks about how the an idea will come to you. And if you feed it and if you put the energy in and you like nurture it and love it up, then it will multiply, you know, whereas those that we we don't so much give as much love or attention to for whatever reason, if it's some, something that someone else wanted us to do for a business, for example, it's more likely that that idea will then drift away, it'll disattach from us and attach. So we won't care else. enough. Yeah, we need to care about these things. I think that's with everything, isn't it? It's not even just business ideas. Like the thing we concentrate on grows. When we're on a diet and we're like, properly thinking about what we're putting in our mouths it's successful because that's all we're thinking about at that time when we're trying to make money if we're looking at our bank balances working it all out realizing how much we need we start making money whatever we concentrate on grows so if you have an idea and you're passionate about it you're much more likely to spend time on it so it will grow mm. yeah Absolutely. So the next question then that I've got here is from my mum. And I feel like this actually feels really relevant um, at the moment because she's applying it specifically to, to um, your challenges that you faced in life and specifically to the challenge around um, being a single mom, having twins, um, having all the debt. But actually this applies at the moment in so many different ways because we're all going through a challenge right now. I don't, I don't know anyone this year yeah. that has faced some level of challenge um and so and so what my mum is asking is how do you maintain motivation and focus how did you maintain motivation and focus in those sort of dark periods yeah and that's the hardest bit it's why most entrepreneurs fail and i think that you need to know your why you need to know why you're doing it in the first place your why can't just be money there has to be more because if it's just money it's very easy to give that up there has to be more to it than that like what is this money going to do for you why is it going to change things for you what is your why so my why has always been to help people that have been bullied in the past whether it's to show them the what 
is possible or whether it's to give money to charity or, or start my own foundation or whatever. That why gets me through when I've been bullied online and want to run away and go, do you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm just going to quit this business. It will get me through that. Knowing what that why is and your why is likely to be your kids. If your why is your kids, that will get you going. You know, every time you want to give up, really, are you going to give up when it gets hard? even though there's these two people that you need to show what's possible to like that would stop me every time to yeah. giving up i think that in dark times you have to know what you're doing it for yeah yeah i i definitely resonate with that big time because like you know there's been there's been times as i say this year with my business i own a yoga studio and it's just you know leisure is shut down and there's all yeah. the and all the rest of it um and and the kind of constantly pivoting and creating new plans. And every time that I get like, you know, something squashed by the restrictions or, or whatever, you know, I'll, I, I might take a, a few moments where I cry or I'm angry or I'm upset. Um, and then I look at my little boy and I'm like, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> like pull your big girl pants on and get back to it because, because yeah, you've, you've got that, that, you know, amazing little legacy in these, these kids. Um, and and yeah, I, I feel I feel like a lot of what we do is is not only done for ourselves, but it's also done for future generations. Definitely, um, is. and that's and, and that's a really big thing. It is, and we need to show resilience to them. What are we teaching them when we give up? Like we have to show resilience because they're going to need to be resilient. It's going to be a lot harder when they're older than it is for us now. <laughs> like oh. there's going to be even more yeah. things. So we need to put resilience in them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the last um, the last question that I've got here then is from someone who wanted the question to be anonymous. And the reason why I wouldn't normally have, have brought um, like an anonymous question in, but I feel like it's really important at the moment because this is something that I'm seeing in a few different Facebook groups, especially at the single mom Facebook groups, something kind of similar to this. So you already touched on, um, you mentioned MLM schemes, so um, network marketing things in the past. So it kind of goes along a similar line. So she says, um, six months ago, I signed up for a network marketing company and have since spent about 10 grand on the business and have not made a penny back. My upline is bullying me and it, it's caused the breakdown of a lot of my relationships with friends and family and I don't want to put any more money into that business. It has taught me though that I love helping women to choose and apply their makeup and part of me is saying that I should start a pass, semi-passive business with that. But my confidence has been knocked and I'm afraid to put more money into a business which may flop, um, especially when it would mean bouncing back from what I've already done with this one. Do you have any advice? Yeah. So what I would do in that situation is I would take everything I've learned from them about marketing, about, you know, how you can do things. And I would start up on my own and I would do it without putting any money into it. So, you know, I didn't put any money in at the beginning. I didn't have any money. I, I didn't spend money on ads or anything like that until I'd got to seven figures. So do it your way. Just open up a Facebook group and start helping the kind of people you want to help doesn't matter if you don't have it all figured out yet just start helping them with things like confidence with makeup with all of those kind of things because your confidence has just been knocked and so you have a story to tell now um, about how your confidence was knocked and how you came back from it and decided to do your own thing that's what you can instill into others and that's why people will listen to you because you've been through it um, don't let this not take your confidence away I worked with a coach um, in my first year and spent 30,000 on a coach that turned out to 
bully me. Um, so I understand what she's saying. But instead of thinking of it as a really bad thing, what I did was I let it teach me who I want to be. I took the parts from that that I needed to know, which was integrity is really important to me. And I made that be my focus for my own business. And that's what I'm now known for, integrity. I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for her. So that was the best £30,000 ever spent, um, regardless of, of what she was like. So take the good from situations and turn it into something to make it work for you. Yeah, I love that. And I think um, when you say about using that as part of the story that, that she's going to be sharing, I think so many women are going to resonate and click with, with that story because it's not it's not a super uncommon story. As I say, at the moment, I feel like it's quite a familiar... There's a lot out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So this that's pretty much everything, but I just want you to, to share with people what they what you're working on at the moment and where our listeners might be able to access some of some more of your teachings. Yeah, online. sure. Um, well, I have a, a 10 month group coaching program that's out at the moment called Fabulous Foundations. Uh, it closes on Monday. So that's like an entry level if you're just starting a business um, where I can help you. It's the, the most cost effective thing I do. Um, and then just ha come hang out with me on Instagram at Lisa Johnson Coaching. I give lots of free hints and tips out there. And then things I'm working on, crikey, how long is a piece of string? I'm doing a TEDx talk in March. Um, so I'm working on that at the moment um i've lots of things going on next year um that i will be revealing i've got a podcast coming out in april um so yeah it's all going on at the moment but yeah just come hang out and um and chat to me in my dms super exciting time oh my god there's been so so much wisdom that you have shared with us in this episode and i'm so grateful to you for for coming and sharing your story it's super important um, not only for single mamas, but for everyone to know that if, you know, they're in a situation right now, which is not something that they had kind of planned for or, you know, sort of worked towards or dreamt about, um, yeah. that there is definitely a way out. Because um, it can be so easy for us to kind of give up and call it quits and um, and then ultimately perpetuate some of the stereotypes that are often attached to, to single mums. Um, but your evidence of having broken through that glass ceiling, it's, it's like you're saying, like, hold my hand, <laughs> come with me. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> and and um, we can all do it. You know, there's a um, there's some song lyrics by Frank Turner, which I love, that say, it doesn't matter where you come from, it matters where you go. No one gets remembered for the things they didn't do. So that's like a wake-up call. Like, it doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter how you got here. It matters what you're going to do now. So make the decision of what you're going to do count. Yeah, I love that. That's an awesome point to finish on. So thank you so, so much. So there you have it. Um, mums, the first few steps on your pathway to shining your light even brighter in this crazy, crazy world right now. Um, so don't forget to drop us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast episode and make sure that you reach out on Instagram at Single Mama Shine or to Lisa on at Lisa Johnson Coaching if you've got any questions or comments on anything that's been shared today. Um, and until next time, shine on. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a huge favor and review it right here wherever you're listening to it. 
as listener shout-outs are going to be a huge part of this podcast. And if you're ready to connect with like-minded mamas from across the globe, join our free Single Mamas Shine Facebook group, where we're taking action steps towards clearing what doesn't serve us, manifesting what does, and raising kind, strong, and unique children every single day. Head to singlemamashine.com to get started.